Welcome to BP's second quarter 2018 results presentation. I'm Craig Marshall, BP's Head of Investor Relations, and I'm here today with our Chief Executive, Bob Dudley, and our Chief Financial Officer, Brian Gilvary. Before we begin, I'd like to draw your attention to our cautionary statement. During today's presentation, we will make forward-looking statements that refer to our estimates, plans, and expectations. Actual results and outcomes could differ materially due to factors we note on this slide and in our UK and SEC filings. Please refer to our annual report, stock exchange announcement, and SEC filings for more details. These documents are available on our website. Now, over to Bob. Thank you, Craig, and good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us. It's certainly been a busy first half of the year for BP, even busier these last few days with the news that we will acquire the U.S. onshore assets from BHP. I will talk about that transaction as part of this call, but the main focus for today is to provide you with a summary of our results for the second quarter of 2018 and an update on the financial and operational progress through the first half of the year. I'll start with some highlights from the first half and provide some reflections on the market forces that have been at play in the macro environment. I'll also talk about how we are shaping the business for the future and then go on to summarize the key points of the BHP deal once more. Brian will report on the detail of our second quarter numbers, financial frame, and 2018 guidance, and I'll then come back to update you on our operational performance so far and provide more detail on our commitment to advancing the low-carbon agenda, and then we'll take your questions. So to begin with some highlights from the first half of the year, we're now six quarters into our 20-quarter plan, and we continue to move ahead. Underlying profit for the second quarter remains strong at $2.8 billion and compares to $2.6 billion in the first quarter and $700 million a year ago. And our underlying cash flow of $12.4 billion in the first half more than covered our organic capital expenditure and the full dividend. These are numbers that reflect our continued focus on disciplined execution of the strategy we laid out at the beginning of 2017, and we're also seeing similar progress across the business segments. In the upstream, we reported underlying pre-tax earnings of $3.5 billion, underpinned by around 10% growth in underlying production compared to the same period last year. That's an improvement on our first quarter 2018 result, which itself was our best since the third quarter of 2014. We also continue to build our portfolio in a way we believe is distinctive to BP, optimizing the value of our assets in both incumbent and growth areas. Last week's announcement is a good example of our approach. Last week's move materially high grades and repositions our U.S. lower 48 business in line with our upstream strategy. In the downstream, we reported underlying pre-tax earnings of $1.5 billion. The segment continues to deliver against its growth agenda, notably across fuels and refining, with continued growth into new retail markets. And we announced a series of investments through the half-year in FreeWire, StoreDot, and ChargeMaster. This combination of interests in fast-charging technology, battery innovation, and the UK's largest electric vehicle charging network operator helped to position us effectively for the fast-evolving electric vehicle market. Not a threat, but an opportunity to BP. We are doing all of this while maintaining our tight organic capital expenditure range of 15 to 17 billion over the medium term and gearing within a range of 20 to 30 percent. 
Given our quarter-by-quarter quarter results and with our confidence in the outlook for group organic free cash flow, we announced last week a 2.5% increase to the quarterly dividend. With this, the second quarter dividend is increased to 10.25 cents per ordinary share or 61.5 cents per ADS. This is the first increase in the dividend in four years, demonstrating the confidence the board has in our disciplined financial framework. The operational momentum across the whole business and our commitment to growing distributions to shareholders over the longer term. Turning to the macro environment, the world economy continues to grow, despite concerns around potential trade disputes and other market forces. Global GDP is expected to increase by around 3% in 2018 and 19, supporting strong oil demand growth, as well as increasing demand for natural gas, notably Asian demand for LNG. Across the refining system, margins remain strong at above-average levels, supported by high levels of utilization and diesel demand. Looking at the oil market more closely, OECD stock levels have returned to a more normal level, as shown in the chart on the left. Oil prices have trended higher this year, supported by strong demand growth and a number of contributing supply factors which have unsettled the outlook, particularly supply disruptions from oil-producing nations, particularly Venezuela and Libya. There are questions over the timing and effects of U.S. sanctions on Iranian crude exports and U.S. infrastructure bottlenecks, particularly in the Permian Basin. OPEC and other participating countries have agreed to increase production to counter the effects of these supply disruptions, but there is uncertainty as to whether there is sufficient spare capacity if the disruption increases significantly. These uncertainties could serve to maintain upward pressure on the oil price over the near term. Looking further out, we continue to plan for oil prices in the range of $50 to $65 per barrel. So we have been delivering the strategy we laid out to you in February last year, shaping our portfolio and creating a business that is resilient and fit for the changing world. We continue to grow our gas and advantage oil portfolio in the upstream. We have a strong set of major projects out to 2021, driving growth in the near term and creating deep optionality into the next decade. I can't remember when it has looked this good. Alongside that, we are optimizing and high-grading the portfolio by deepening it in our core areas and exiting assets where we can create value by divesting to others. Over the past few years, you have seen us do this in the Norwegian North Sea, Gulf of Mexico, Argentina, and most recently through the transaction involving our Claire UK North Sea oil field. At the same time, we continue to look for things that are accretive to shape our portfolio through inorganic investments such as the recent BHP transaction, which creates increased optionality across our existing U.S. onshore operations, as well as growing value in a basin where we previously didn't have access. Looking at the downstream, our market-led growth strategy is making strong progress, particularly in our fuels marketing business around the world. We've expanded in major growth markets such as China and Mexico, where we can offer customers a differentiated experience through our brand, high-quality products and services. We continue to progress our convenience retail offering in established markets, further supporting our goal to grow our earnings in the downstream. As I mentioned earlier, we are moving forward in the broader advanced mobility space. 
which is integral to our low-carbon agenda. We've made a number of investments so far this year in electric vehicle charging infrastructure and battery technology. These investments position us to take a compelling offer to a mobility market that is increasingly looking to electrification for its solutions. We're underpinning all of this activity with our commitment to modernize the whole group, from the systems and tools we employ to the data we collect and the new technologies which can transform the way we work. Before I hand over to Brian, let me take a few minutes to discuss the key points of the transaction we announced last week, one of the most exciting and transformational investments we have made in recent years. The Lower 48 team laid the groundwork for this over the last four years, having radically transformed that business, driving significant improvements through the application of leading operational processes and technologies, and turning it into a top quartile operator. The acquisition of these U.S. onshore assets builds on this proven track record. It gives us access to one of the most exciting regions in our industry, the liquids-rich Permian-Delaware Basin, as well as premium positions in the Eagleford and Haynesville basins. It adds high-quality assets and over 4.6 billion barrels of oil equivalent of resources that repositions our existing lower 48 business, materially high-grading the portfolio. Importantly, and this is very important, this acquisition will be accommodated within our existing financial frame, with our medium-term organic capital expenditure of 15 to 17 billion, and our guidance for our balance sheet and returns on capital employed remaining unchanged. To go together with this, we've announced the intention to divest an additional five to six billion dollars of assets, predominantly from the upstream bringing our net investment to around $5 billion in the transaction. Proceeds from divestments are expected to fund up to 5 to $6 billion of further share buybacks over time. Post-integration, we expect this acquisition to be accretive to earnings and cash flow per share, and by 2021, the lower 48 is expected to be contributing an additional $1 billion to upstream pre-tax cash flow. As we look to the longer term, these long-lived, unconventional oil and gas assets are an important addition to the suite of growth options we have, and they provide material value creation potential into the next decade and beyond. We will talk to you more about our plans for the business in the coming months. However, for now, let me hand over to Brian, who will take you through our second quarter financial results. Thanks, Bob. Firstly, a brief overview of the environment in the second quarter. Brent crude has averaged $74 per barrel for the second quarter of 2018, compared with $67 per barrel in the first quarter. This reflects continued strong oil demand, the reduction in OECD inventory levels, and the supply and demand dynamics Bob mentioned earlier. U.S. gas prices saw less volatility than in the first quarter, with Henry Hub gas prices averaging $2.80 per million British thermal units in the second quarter, compared with $3 in the first quarter. BP's global refining marker margin averaged $14.90 per barrel in the second quarter, seasonally higher than the first quarter average of $11.70 per barrel and higher than a year ago. This reflects strong diesel demand, leading to lower distillate stocks. Moving to the results summary, BP's second quarter underlying replacement cost profit increased to $2.8 billion compared to $680 million a year ago, and $2.6 billion in the first quarter of this year. 
Compared to a year ago, the result benefits from significantly higher upstream liquids and gas realisations, lower expiration write-offs and an increased contribution from Rosneft. In the downstream, the benefits of stronger industry refining margins and higher Canadian heavy crude discounts were partly offset by a small loss in all supply and trading and the divestment of our interest in the SECO joint venture. Compared to the first quarter, the result reflects an increased contribution from Rosneft, higher liquids realisations and lower costs in the upstream. In the downstream, the result benefited from a stronger performance in fuels marketing, higher industry refining margins, but lower WCS heavy crude discounts. In both the upstream and downstream, the results were partly offset by a higher tax rate, increased turnaround activity, and a weaker overall trading contribution. As Bob previously mentioned, the second quarter dividend payable in the third quarter of 2018 has been increased to 10.25 cents per ordinary share. Turning to cash flow and sources and uses of cash. Excluding all spill-related outgoings, underlying operating cash flow was $12.4 billion for the first half, of which $7 billion was generated in the second quarter. This included a working capital release of $1.3 billion in the second quarter, partially offsetting the $1.7 billion build we saw in the first quarter. Organic capital expenditure was $3.5 billion in the second quarter and $7 billion for the first half of 2018. In the first half of 2018, our organic free cash flow surplus was $1.6 billion. Turning to inorganic cash flows, in the first half of 2018, divestment and other proceeds totaled $300 million. We made post-tax Gulf of Mexico payments of $2.4 billion, and inorganic capital expenditure was $800 million. We've also remained active in our share buyback programme and bought back 29 million ordinary shares in the first half of 2018 at a cost of $200 million. At the end of the second quarter, net debt reduced by $700 million and gearing was down to 27.8%. Turning to our guidance for 2018. Looking to the third quarter, we expect upstream reported production to be broadly flat with the second quarter, reflecting continued seasonal turnarounds and maintenance offset by the continued ramp-up of our major projects. In the downstream, we expect lower industry refining margins. We also expect significantly higher levels of turnaround activity in the second half of the year, particularly at our whiting refinery in the US. At the midpoint of the year, We've revised some of our 2018 guidance. Specifically, we now expect organic capital expenditure to be around $15 billion, reflecting continued capital efficiency and cost deflation. And divestment proceeds in 2018 are now expected to be over $3 billion, with proceeds weighted towards the fourth quarter. This does not assume any proceeds from the divestment package we announced associated with the purchase of BHP's onshore lower 48 business. The rest of our guidance remains unchanged. The total DD&A charge is expected to be higher than 2017, reflecting higher upstream production volumes. Gulf of Mexico oil spill payments are expected to be just over $3 billion in 2018, 
with $2.4 billion already paid in the first half of the year. Our balance sheet remains strong and we expect gearing to remain within the 20 to 30% band. In other business and corporate, the average underlying quarterly charge is expected to be around $350 million, although this may fluctuate between individual quarters. And in the current environment, the underlying effective tax rate is expected to remain above 40%. In summary, our financial framework is robust. Underlying earnings continue to grow, underpinning the 2.5% increase to our quarterly dividend to 10.25 cents per ordinary share. Our organic capital spend is now expected to be around $15 billion in 2018, and we continue to expect 2018 organic free cash flow break-even to be around $50 per barrel. Beyond this, we expect the oil price break-even to steadily reduce to around $35 to $40 per barrel by 2021, and over the same period, our OAC to improve to over 10% at $55 a barrel. We expect to offset the dilution from script dividend issuance over time. And, as seen with the dividend increase announced last week, we remain committed to growing sustainable free cash flow and distributions to our shareholders over the long term. On that note, let me now hand back to Bob. Thanks, Brian. Let me now update you on some key milestones for our operating segments before we take your questions. What you see in summary here on the slide for the upstream is how our focus on quality execution is continuing to deliver record operating performance, with operated plant reliability remaining at 96% in the second quarter. We have started up three major projects so far in 2018, Atoll in Egypt, the TAS expansion in Russia, and earlier this month we started commercial deliveries from the Shah Deniz Phase 2. Shah Deniz 2 is our largest operated subsea development and along with the South Caucasus pipeline expansion, we expect costs to come in about 20% below sanction. It is the starting point for the Southern Gas Corridor series of pipelines that will deliver natural gas from the Caspian Sea direct to European markets for the first time. Looking ahead to growth into the next decade, we made five final investment decisions on projects in Oman, India, Angola, and two in the UK North Sea. This further de-risks the 900,000 barrels per day of incremental production for major projects that we expect to add by 2021. We also recently announced that we are deepening our operated position in Clare in the UK North Sea, increasing our equity from around 29% to 45%. Clare has more than 7 billion barrels of oil initially in place and has significant value associated with future development opportunities including the Clare Ridge project currently under development. I'd like to also mention a great example of how we're moving ahead with our modernization and transformation agenda. Early this year, we introduced you to Apex. It sounds like the top of a mountain. Actually, it acts like a digital twin of real-world facilities and allows us to optimize production. In 2Q, we added it to over 1,000 wells in Alaska, and we now have 22 operated assets globally using the tool. Last year, Apex contributed to the 0.6% growth we achieved in our base production, which gives you a sense of the impact digital can have. In the downstream, we're also moving ahead. In manufacturing, we continue to grow the value from refining commercial optimization with our Whiting refinery in the U.S., processing record levels of crude for the half year.
we also extended bio-coprocessing into more of our refineries. And in petrochemicals, we announced two new PTA licensing agreements, one with Sokar in Turkey and the other with Dushan Energy in China, demonstrating the strength of our industry-leading proprietary technology and allowing us to generate reliable sources of income without the need for capital investment. In retail, we now have our convenience partnership offer in more than 1,200 sites across our network. Through the strength of our brand and offer, we have also continued to grow premium fuel volumes. And in Mexico, having entered the market just last March, we have now opened up more than 300 sites. As mentioned, we have significantly progressed our advanced mobility agenda through the acquisition of ChargeMaster. And in May, we invested in StoreDot, a leading developer of ultra-fast charging battery technology. With these deals and our differentiated fuels and convenience offers, we are well positioned to become the leading fuel provider for both conventional and electric vehicles. Turning now to the dual energy challenge and our role in providing the world with the energy it demands, but produced and delivered with fewer emissions. Earlier this year, we released our Advancing the Energy Transition Report, which lays out our commitment to advancing a low-carbon future. This commitment is integral to the broader strategy of BP. It's clear and it involves every part of the business. Our Reduce, Improve, Create, or RIC framework, sets out how we will achieve this across all parts of our business. By reducing emissions from our operations, this includes targets such as zero routine flaring in the upstream by 2030 and the use of solar energy instead of gas to power pumps in our lower 48 business. The I in the RIC framework, improving our products, in addition to our PTA air products and BP fuels with active technology, we are looking at other ways to incrementally improve the products our downstream manufacturers, such as carbon neutral lubricants. And the C in the framework, creating low-carbon businesses like Light Source BP, which recently completed its first project in India, marking the company's first utility solar asset to be commissioned in a country with huge potential for solar energy. These are all practical examples of our Reduce, Improve, Create framework in action. They include specific targets, because that's how you get things done, and it's an approach that draws on what we've learned over more than two decades of low-carbon activity. It's an approach we like and that we believe will deliver on the commitment we made. Now let me finish with a reminder of the BP proposition to you as shareholders, and not only the words on the slides, but what it looks like in reality. Safe, reliable, and efficient operations always come first, day in and day out, executing our plan with discipline. We're delivering on our plan, our operations are running reliably, and we're bringing on major projects on time and on budget, and well under budget in the case of the Chardonnay's Phase II project. We're a global energy company with a distinctive portfolio that's balanced regionally, onshore and offshore, conventional and unconventional, and with a growing low-carbon mix. It's packed with optionality, and we're optimizing it all the time. There is no better example of that than our new access to premium U.S. onshore acreage in the Permian, Eagleford, and Haynesville basins in the U.S., but you'll also see other examples this quarter, like the Claire transaction with ConocoPhillips and our acquisition of ChargeMaster. 
and our commitment to capital discipline remains unchanged, generating even greater value for shareholders from our access right around the world, including some of the best basins in the U.S. onshore. And we're doing so while remaining within our existing and disciplined financial frame, as I set out earlier. Together, this is a proposition that we have had in place for some time. It's consistent, it's working, and it's all in service to our goal of growing sustainable free cash flow and distributions, as we did last week with the increase to our dividend. 